This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Women's Leadership Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Alexis Colvin, an orthopedic sports medicine surgeon at Mount Sinai, New York City. Dr. Colvin is also Associate Dean for the Alumni Affairs at the ICANN School of Medicine at Mount Sinai and the team physician for the Fed Cup, as well as Chief Medical Officer for the U.S. Open. Dr. Colvin, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Laura. Before we dive into the questions, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yes. Uh, like you said, I have a couple different roles, um, both with the medical school as well as with the United States Tennis Association. So I am an orthopedic surgeon at Mount Sinai. I also am the associate dean for alumni affairs for the medical school. Uh, it's actually where I, I personally went to medical school. Um, and then I also serve as the chief medical officer for the U.S. Open, the tennis tournament, which is in Flushing, Queens, every year, as well as the team physician for the U.S. Fed Cup team, which is now renamed the Billie Jean King Cup team. What that is, is usually tennis is an individual sport, but there's a tournament um, where the countries actually have teams and the teams play against each other. So it's usually the top four or five professional female tennis players that make this team. And then we travel around the country, um, actually around the world to compete in tournaments. That's so interesting. And so, uh, you know, obviously your professional role as an orthopedic surgeon and then working with U.S. tennis, um, you know, what really sparked your interest in tennis? Is there something that makes you really passionate about um, working with those types of athletes? Well, I did my sports medicine fellowship in Pittsburgh and the big sports there are definitely football, basketball, soccer, all the um traditional sports that we think of when we think of sports medicine. With tennis, one of the things I really love about it is that the the women, I would say, are equally, if not more prominent than the men that play the sport. So that's really been a gratifying part, obviously, as being a female in sports medicine, to work with these women who are at the top of their field and are recognized for it. Um, the other interesting thing about tennis is that because it is an individual sport, Unlike other sports where you have substitutions or um, you have um, people that can um, come in midway to, to play your position, tennis, it's, it's only you. And so I think that challenges tennis players not only physically but also mentally. And so it's a very unique type of athlete to work with. Got it. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. From your perspective, what are the top three issues in sports medicine today? I think probably number one is the role of biologics in sports medicine. This has been a pretty hot field for a number of years, and it's only increasing in popularity. I think one thing that across the board is something that's needed is really standardized research and trials to determine what actually works. And that's even starting from the, the, the type of injection to what is it that we're actually administering, to the number of injections um, and efficacy. I think all, all of those things have, are, it's moving in that direction, but, but we're still in need of, a, of more um, high quality controlled studies. The second thing I would say is, um, and probably even more advanced by the pandemic is the role of virtual um, medicine, not just in orthopedics, but in medicine in general. There's definitely a big, space right now in terms of physical therapy, seeing patients virtually and daily, or not daily, but um, 
more common orthopedic injuries such as back pain that, that patients can now see providers virtually to get this treated, at least in the initial stages. So I think there's a big role for that, um, and, and learning how, how it can be useful in, in orthopedics, I think, is still evolving. And probably the third one is, and I think this is always um, an important component of what we do, even though we are surgeons, I think we want to try to prevent things from needing surgery. So in particular with sports medicine, it's looking at things such as training load and form and technique and all the things that we can do to help prevent our patients from getting to the point where they sustain an injury. Um, and I think that there is a lot of emphasis on that and a lot more things that we can use to, to measure that, including things such as wearables and, and devices such as that. Got it. I, I think that's really interesting to think about when you're talking about the virtual care, um, especially with physical therapy and then looking at preventative medicine. I, this seems like that's a little bit of a paradigm shift or a culture shift for some orthopedic or excuse me, sports medicine specialists, especially those who are more geared towards surgical procedures. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, how much did that change over the past year during the pandemic or are there other forces that are driving some of these changes as well? I think it's probably a combination of both. With the with the pandemic, I think for sure, at least depending on what area that you practiced, there were patients that just that didn't come in, and now we're seeing them many months later, um, and they, you know, maybe needed surgery, but were able to compensate without it, or um, they they were they needed surgery, and now unfortunately it's worse. So I think we're seeing kind of two groups of people, but. Um, in terms of prevention, I think that's always an important topic. You know, we hear a lot about it with primary care in particular, but with sports medicine, when you think about it from a professional level, that's their career, and and athletes across the board want to prevent the injury. It's not just good for them, but also good for um, the team if they do a team sport. Um, and so I think, like I said, even though we are orthopedic surgeons, a, a big component of what we do is preventative medicine as well. Got it. That makes sense. Now, where are the best opportunities for growth and innovation in sports medicine today? I think certainly the biologics, um, like I talked about, as well as the, the virtual space. Um, it probably also depends on where you are in your career as well, but I certainly see a lot of the younger generation having uh, a lot more training, at least in the virtual space. And I think that that's probably where we're going to see a lot of growth. Got it. Got it. Um, interesting. So before we wrap up our conversation today, I was wondering, could you share your top three pieces of advice for aspiring physician leaders today? Yeah, top three, is hard to narrow down. Um, but I will say that in terms of the things that work for me, I would say the first one is being able to compartmentalize. So what I mean by that is when I'm at work, I'm focusing on work and, um, you know, what's in front of me. And then when I go home, when I'm with my three kids, I'm you know, spending time with them like they deserve. So I think being able to um, really be able to put your blinders on in the situation that you're in and, and focus is, is very important. Um, number two, I think one thing that um, maybe when you're, where you're coming up in the ranks, um, you, you equate busy with being productive, and those two things aren't necessarily the, the same thing. I think a lot of times you have a lot of menial things that need to be done, and you get them done, and you feel a sense of relief when you cross them off your list. But 
at the end of the day, you really haven't been that productive. So I think being able to delegate and being able to prioritize um, those things are, are important so that at the end of the day, you can say, I actually accomplished something as opposed to um, I just crossed off a bunch of things off my list that were sort of, um, you know, busy work. And then the third thing I would say is that it, it is important to get involved in things outside of your immediate job, if you can. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, there's certainly a lot of medical societies. Um, you know, for myself, it's being involved in the medical school. But I think being able to broaden your horizons from just from out, you know, from not just focusing on your clinical practice, which is obviously very important, but but also um, getting involved in either a um, more local level or national level, that all helps in terms of being able to bring those things back to your practice. And you can always learn from um, other providers, and, and those, those are good ways to do that as well. Dr. Colvin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really interesting discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thanks for having me.